Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Somehow, God is in me, and there's a sense in which I am like God and man all at once. Many religions claim that we will all eventually be gods. The Bible says something so much better. It says, no, God will continue to be God. Man will continue to be man, but God will come upon man. No way! It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, Mickey and Minnie aren't very happy today. This is Wretched Radio. No doubt you have whiffed the wafts that are flying out of Florida as the governor attempts to protect children, vulnerable little people, from being indoctrinated starting at the tender age of five that their gender can be fluid. And if you really, really, really think, or at least kind of think, you identify as a different gender, well, we will put together a plan for you and we will help you accomplish that. Shh, but don't worry, we won't tell the parents. Oh, man, Scylla. Has the education system gone too far? Yep, despite many good Christian teachers, it is now the ideology of educators in the public sector that they should be the ones parenting your children, not you. Your values, your morals, your timing, it does not count. We know better, and we are going to teach your children what we think is right, and we're going to shut you out. Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, said not so fast. Legislation passed overwhelmingly to protect children starting at the age of five from being indoctrinated. And who chirped up? Of course, the progressives and Mickey and Minnie, claiming this is an anti-gay bill. And that is what they are trying to suggest is the reason that it should be overturned. And educators, therefore, should have the right to assist your child to secretly go about the business of dismembering themselves, filling themselves with chemicals that alter their testosterone and estrogen so that the child can be what he or she thinks he is. Might I suggest to you that a government, a corporation, and an education system that seeks to do that is seeking to harm children? This isn't child help. This is child abuse. And Christians have fought against child abuse for centuries. In fact, from the jump, Christians have been opposed to letting The people who are most vulnerable be hurt. It's children. It's women. It's the disabled. It's the people with mental struggles. We we protect the elderly. The world didn't. Christianity did. And we ushered in a mindset that has endured now for centuries that we protect vulnerable people. And a five-year-old certainly qualifies as that. And anybody who is trying to help a child mutilate or deface their own body, Um, they're not protecting children, they're hurting them. An article written by Mark Hemingway at WNG helps us to go back in time to the early church. What is the history of protecting children? That's what his article tackles, and I think it's good for us to remember this because it just might encourage us, hey, we should be vocal. But let's make sure we're biblical in our opposition 
to people who want our children to believe in gender fluidity. That's a sin. You're harming children. Jesus has a warning for you, and it has to do with millstones, your neck, and a deep body of water. Repent. Protect the children. Help educate and give skills to our children, but do not indoctrinate our children because you are harming these little ones, and God doesn't like that at all. And the Christian church has followed the words of Jesus to defend children. Let's go back in time, shall we? From Mark Hemingway, Protect the Children, the scary reality involving sexual abuse of the truly vulnerable. Because this is sexual abuse. They're they're playing with children's bodies. Oof. Why do, asks Mark, why do progressive educators, Disney, and the White House all insist that five-year-olds must be able to learn about scientifically dubious beliefs such as fluid gender identities. I would actually go a step further and say, oh, it's not dubious science. It's debunked science. It's ridiculous. It's not science. There's an XXXY period. That's scientific. And I can't identify as an XY if I'm an XX and vice versa. And yet progressives, Disney, and the White House want to do that. It is a part of their progressive agenda. This is Romans 1, tearing down every moral value, even at the expense of harming children. So let's go back in time. The sexualization and abuse of children were commonplace in the ancient world. The rise of Christianity created moral intuitions we now take for granted. Let's not forget what's going on with our children. They're harming children. They are brutally affecting their bodies. And we got to call it what it is, sin. The rise of Christianity created moral intuitions we now take for granted. Children are uniquely vulnerable, and we must physically protect them and work to preserve their innocence. Would you like to hear a rather troubling case in point? Headline, this is from the Christian Hold on one second. Where are my cheaters? From newsbytesap.com. Finnish Supreme Court doesn't consider sexual abuse of a 10-year-old as rape. You heard that, right? It's because she didn't appear to fight. Therefore, the adult who was intimate with her, if we can clean up the lingo here, nah, who raped her, that. She didn't yell. She didn't scream. So he shouldn't have done it. He gets us pretty much a slap on the wrist, but they wouldn't consider it rape. That's child abuse. We protect children because we recognize they don't have the ability to make wise decisions regarding these issues at a tender age. Let's keep going back in time. The name of a book, When Children Became People, The Birth of Childhood in Early Christianity. Norwegian theologian O.M. Baki. Baki observes that before Christ, the ancient Greeks essentially created a societal hierarchy around their notions of, this will sound familiar, logos or reason. Here was the thinking. Free male citizens were said to possess the most capacity for reason. (laughs) 
Women and older men had less capacity, and children possessed even less rational capacity. Therefore, they were valued even less. That is why we are not utilitarian. We do not put value on people based on their performance, their ability to reason, whatever their giftings may or may not be. No, we value them because God values them because they're image bearers. That was not the mindset of the Greek world. Along comes Christianity to deal with what was going on in culture. Unwanted children were frequently abandoned in the ancient world for trivial reasons, such as the desire to have a son instead of a daughter, or if there was some political or economic instability, jettison the kids. It was known as expositio. Infants were simply left outside to die of thirst, exposure, or animal attacks. What a world, what a world. Is there any difference between what progressives are trying to do with our children now? Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're not trying to kill them. They believe, I suppose, that they're helping the children. The reality is they're abusing children, just like Greeks did in the ancient world. Children were often rescued from expositio by unscrupulous men or sold by their parents outright to become sex slaves. In ancient Rome, child brothels were a fact of life. Wouldn't that be a fun place to live? There's the dry cleaners. There's the cell phone store. It it wasn't quite as sophisticated as ours are today. But And then you've got the insurance company. You've got a brothel for children. <sighs> The Roman historian Suetonius records that Emperor Tiberius taught his children um, things that children shouldn't be doing to their father. And it's not at all clear whether Romans had specific moral objections to this. The theologian Bacchi further notes that the Stoic philosopher Rufus openly muses whether a son who refuses to obey his father's command to engage in sex with someone else is considered disobedient. Permissive? Yeah. Abusive, definitely. Jesus said, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that angels in heaven always see the face of my father, and he's warning them. Children are valuable in the sight of God. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And Christians responded. They built orphanages to save kids. Over time, strong Christian notions Married to classical ideas about the development of reason at different ages created the concept of childhood that we now know today. But today, we have a new breed of secular elites inverting Christian norms about protecting the most vulnerable among us. This is great writing. The categories of people we understand need special protection under natural law, women, elderly people, the infirm, children, etc., are being supplanted by catering to the needs of those who take on an identity that demands concessions. How perfectly stated. So they'll use all kinds of what appear to be dazzling arguments, but the bottom line is this. What they're proposing and doing is child abuse. It's criminal activity, and even worse, it's sin. And the message from the church, as it's been for 2,000 years to a progressive world that wants to abuse children, repent. This is Wretched Radio. 
There are many struggles experienced by our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, specifically those who run the Masters Academy International. The biggest challenge for men attending TMAI, especially in our context in Ukraine, is the opposition from people in the church who oppose sound doctrine and therefore men really struggle to transform their ministries in accordance with the Word of God. The Masters Academy International in Ukraine fighting a battle on two fronts. <laughs> You've got Russia, of course, and you have opposition from the church in Ukraine for biblically trained pastors to preach the gospel. Would you please consider supporting the Masters Academy International? Adopt a seminary, 17 different countries. Might want to turn your attention to Ukraine. To learn more about this amazing legacy ministry, visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you things like Wretched Radio airs on over 820 Christian radio stations, or Wretched TV appears on 125 Christian TV stations. I could tell you that the Wretched Radio podcast has had nearly 5 million downloads in the last year, or the Wretched YouTube channel has had nearly 125 million all-time views. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for your continued support that has helped us reach millions of people all all over the world with the gospel. Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and our newest production, Transformed, are all possible because of the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you please prayerfully consider becoming one? We rely on your kindness and your generosity and your ongoing prayers. Visit wretched.org donate to get all of the details. That's wretched.org donate, or you can text the word wretched to the number 44321. There are brothers and sisters in Ukraine who could use your help right now. Max, the Tomorrow Club's leader in Ukraine, visited us on the telephone to share the need that many believers in eastern Ukraine currently have. Our focus was children evangelism. And right now, we have to walk away from that and really serve those families who had to escape. Our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West trying to meet the needs of those families. It's a good opportunity to show Christ to them in this time of trial. Pretty unlikely that you can visit Ukraine to help those brothers and sisters, but there are hands and feet on the ground, the Tomorrow Club leaders helping out brothers and sisters in need in Ukraine. To learn more about how you can help and support the Tomorrow Clubs, who we hope will quickly return to children evangelism, learn more at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 1206. Francis of Assisi renounces wealth and goes on to lead a band of poor friars preaching the simple life. The 13th century saw the rise of a number of monastic orders dedicated to simple living and social engagement. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Indeed. This is Wretched Radio. What's going on in Canada? Spiritually, the answer is revealed in a very interesting religious survey of all of Canada, all of its provinces, revealing the most troubling, concerning group of religious people is, who would you guess? 
You've got a wide variety of options. Muslims, Hindus, Sikhs, Roman Catholics, Protestants, Evangelicals, any Jehovah's Witness. Jimmy, go ahead and take a guess. Who is the most troubling and concerning religious group in Canada? The Mounties. <laughs> no. They might be religious. I don't know. Dudley Do-Right seemed like a pretty good upstanding fellow. Evangelicals. See, that's what I wanted to say. Evangelicals. Here's what, this is the conclusion from the big study. It was presented by Angus Reed Institute in partnership with Cardus. All religious groups surveyed viewed evangelical Christianity as more damaging to society than beneficial. Wow. Wow. That ain't good. I think it's about 7% of Canadians identify as being evangelical. 74% of them are actually committed to being an evangelical, which actually is a part of the label. So if you're not committed to Christ, you're not an evangelical. Okay. If he's a hobby, if you visit him on occasion, well, call yourself a liberal Protestant, but don't call yourself an evangelical because that's part of the package. 74% try to adhere to their religious beliefs, and they all claim that we're kind of getting squeezed here in Canada. Atheists are overwhelmingly critical of the influence of evangelical Christians on society, but they're largely positive about the perceived impacts of Sikhs and Hindus. How in the world did this happen? Let's muse on that, shall we? Why would other religious people all, in this instance, stay on the same side of the line, which is the line that says Christianity on the other side, mm, they're an adversary. Why would the atheists think that the evangelicals are more troubling than Sikhs and Hindus? I think the answer is pretty obvious. It's the same reason that you hear people of different world religious worldviews blaspheme and use the name of God in vain. Why it's not Allah, why it's not Buddha, uh, there's a reason, actually. It's because those gods don't exist. They know it. They know Jesus Christ does. And in their seething rage, they use his name to drag it through a sewer and use his precious holy name as a four-letter filth word. Why do they do that? It's the same reason university professors, and it doesn't have to be in a sociology class. It can be in a science or math class. They'll talk about religion. You know how mathematical that is. And who do they always criticize? Why don't they go after Allah? Why don't they go after Buddha? Because they don't exist. And they're on the same side. But they do go after the true and living God. That's what we're seeing in Canada. If indeed evangelicals are viewed this way and feeling discriminated, uh, this probably won't be a ton of comfort if you're an evangelical in Canada, but be comforted that there's a reason for this. They hate your Christ. They can't get their hands on him, but they can get their hands on you. And we should count it a privilege and a joy to endure the sufferings, not even close to the sufferings our Savior endured for us. I I say these statistics actually point toward Christianity being the true religion. Why else would everybody else be opposed to it? 
Canada's largest religious group, Roman Catholics, are more likely to perceive evangelical Christians, Muslims, and Sikhs as doing more harm than benefit to the social fabric of the country. You know, all those jihads that evangelicals have committed. No, wait a second. There there aren't any of those. Nevertheless, Roman Catholics look at evangelicals not cheerily. Muslims are second most likely among faith groups to say that they feel shut out, though in far lesser numbers than evangelical Christians who claim 56%, 56% of evangelicals say, uh, we feel shut out. We feel ostracized. It's double how the Muslims feel. That appears to be the spiritual climate in Canada. Now, please note, as is true with any country, there are differences in different provinces. Nevertheless, overall, evangelicals are feeling the squeeze. More information I thought was worthy of our consideration. One in five Canadians are classified as non-believers. 19%. Just nothing. Oh, Canada. What happened? For... Four in five, there is some openness to God or spirituality. Okay, wait a second. This is actually good news. One in five Canadians, 20%, are classified as non-believers. But for 80% of them, however, they say, I'm open to it. Now, that indicates that evangelicals still have a message that perhaps an unbeliever would be willing to hear I am persuaded from all of the kids that we've talked to on university campuses. I'm, I'm persuaded from as recently as last night. We were out to dinner, and the waitress, she was delightful and nice and very pleasant and very good at her job. And somehow, the conversation turned to the Amish. I don't know how we got there either. But then that led into her revealing her spirituality She's syncretistic. She has a very varied mix of beliefs from pretty much every system. In other words, she's pretty standard. And we talked, and I even asked questions about her beliefs. She talked, for instance, about moving out of vibrations for either hate or love. And so I said, vibrations, what, uh, not familiar with that. What, is, what, is, what does that mean? And she said, well, you know, hate and love, it kind of gives off a vibe. It gives off ways. Call it a vibration. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Did I say, oh, where'd you get that nonsense? No. I just asked. And I learned something. And then, lo and behold, had an opportunity to preach the law and the gospel, repentance and faith, describing Christianity as the only system that is not work-based. It is grace-based. God will dismiss your court case because of the redemptive work of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The offer is free, no matter how bad you are, no matter what you have done. Jesus is great enough to forgive the greatest of sinners. He's bigger and better than we are. And when we were done, she bumped into Mrs. Friel and then said to her, you know, thank you for that conversation that it was a dialogue because, you know, some Christians, they get really like aggressive and stuff. So thanks for that. Now, that to me simply supports that people are willing to hear it. She didn't identify as a Christian, 
She didn't call herself a follower of Jesus, but we were able to just talk. I'm telling you, I'm persuaded at this moment in time. The best thing you can do in an evangelical encounter is take the time. Yep, it's longer, but the door will be open to you if you actually talk to them like you care about them. She was a delightful young lady. I certainly didn't disdain her for having Eastern philosophies mingled in with vibrations. Why, why, why would I be angry at somebody? And I believe in Canada, in America, whatever your country is, start talking to people and engaging them and act like you're concerned about them and interested in them. And I'm telling you, this statistic will open a door for you. Four and five say, okay, I'm open to it. The largest group of Canadians are the spiritually uncertain, representing half of the population. So you take the 46% and the 26%. Canada overwhelmingly is not a religious nation, overwhelmingly. But they do appear to be willing to talk about it. Younger Canadians, no surprise, more likely than the older counterparts to be non-believers. Women over the age of 55 are most likely to be more religious. That is exactly the same here. You know, I was thinking about why women still dominate Christianity. There's more Christian women than men. Evangelical circles to boot. Why is that? I can't help but wonder if some of the, what could be overlooked verses in the New Testament are are, are the reason why. Because other religions that are godless see women as second-class citizens. Jesus He talked to the women. He talked about women. He allowed women to be his first heralds after the resurrection. Paul mentions when he went into the synagogues to reason with people from the scriptures that the Messiah had to suffer, die, and rise again. He said the results of it were many women and Greeks came to faith. And I think the reason that we see more women is because Christianity isn't hostile toward women, whereas so many religions are. All that to say, oh, Canada, it appears um, it ain't a real godly nation, but it does appear that there's an opportunity. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. And the latest example of censoring everything you disagree with, YouTube recently deleted a clip highlighting an interview between Tucker Carlson and a detransitioned woman. The woman in the interview tells her story that started at the age of 15, and she details the dangers of transgender ideology for children. YouTube took the clip down and replaced it with a disclaimer that said the original video was spam, a deceptive practice, or a scam. The only scam is YouTube's discrimination against any content they don't politically align with. But in the days of cancel culture, it's par for the course. What are the long-term negative effects from the COVID shutdowns? Well, while we still have to wait just a while longer to see all of those flesh themselves out, we are starting to catch a glimpse of some of them. In particular, school absences have skyrocketed, so much so that it's been described as a chronic problem. At one middle school, over 40% of students have been chronically absent this year, and now the school has taken to offering gift cards and night classes in an attempt to get students to come back to school. I'm pretty sure I remember a lot of people out front and vocal in the beginning of this whole COVID mess telling us this very thing 
would happen. Yet, here we are. Burger King in Spain has faced some backlash recently because of their use of Jesus' words at the Last Supper in an ad campaign promoting their vegetarian burger. After the large backlash, Burger King Spain acknowledged their poor taste and apologized, saying their intent was not to offend anyone but to sell more vegetarian burgers. Regardless of the apology, a petition was launched calling for the removal of the person responsible for the campaign. The petition currently has received over 31,000 signatures. Now, the bill to legalize infanticide, that's murdering babies that have already been born, well, that bill is moving right along in California. The California Health Assembly has now passed the bill on an 11-3 vote this week. The bill previously passed another assembly committee earlier in the month, and that committee saw a large number of opposers show up to the vote of the bill and speak out against it, while zero supporters spoke up in favor of it. Yet the bill still passed and moved along, and now it is further down the line. A vote by the full California Assembly is next up for this despicable legislation. A Christian pastor in Sudan who has a long history of being harassed by Islamic extremists was attacked during a worship service earlier this month. Then, to top it off, the pastor was charged by police for disturbing the peace along with two other congregants. Sudan is 13th on the open doors list of places where it is most difficult to be a Christian. And as we tell you, all of the time here at Wretched, please make sure that you are fervently praying for all of our brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio, it's straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible The book of Daniel is about one man who submits to God above all else and God's faithfulness to his people in all circumstances. Daniel's prophetic visions teach us that God raises up and tears down kingdoms. All earthly kingdoms will pass away, but God will establish an everlasting kingdom. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Forget Canada, let's talk about evangelicals in Canada. This is Wretched Radio, a large survey of Every single province in Canada revealing Canada is not a very religious country. The majority of people, about 70%, say, eh, or uh uh-uh. Although they do say that they're open to discussing the issues and considering God, which I think should be an encouragement to you evangelical Christians in Canada and elsewhere. We see also from this study that the state of evangelicalism in Canada They didn't go super deep theologically, but there's some troubling signs. More than three in five, 63% of evangelical Christians in Canada attend church regularly. Now, regularly is like once a month. That's not regularly. It's even fewer. Okay, did you notice anything on Easter? Jimmy, when you were driving to church on Easter Sunday, did you notice more traffic than usual? I did. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yep, a little bit. It wasn't like, whoa, mm-hmm. everybody's going to church. But if you ask most people, do you go to church on Christmas and Easter? Yeah. The roads seem to suggest otherwise. In Canada, 63% go regularly, which ain't great shakes. However, there's a statistic. I know this has the potential to rankle somebody out of the tens and tens of people listening to this here wretched radio program because evangelicalism has been the movement that has been driven 
from the jump in America, courtesy of Charles Finney, all the way all the way through many of the 20th century revival meetings, the camp crusades, very emotions driven. From the survey, those who identify as evangelical Christians are most likely to report regularly feeling God's presence. Got a question for you. What does it feel like to feel God's presence? Can you describe it for me? And I suspect if you were put in a room with a pad of paper and had to write down at least a page describing what it feels like to feel the presence of God, you would say something like, well, I just have a sense that, you know, he's, he's in control and he's got my back and, and that he's good and that I, I don't need to worry about this and I should cast my cares upon him. And I would say, amen, 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 and amen. But did you notice those things weren't feelings? Those things were thinkings. Those things were the knowledge of spiritual truths that cause me to be settled or peaceful. But that isn't to sense the presence of God. Now, is God present? Yeah, if you're a Christian, he's dwelling in you. The spirit of Christ is in you. But evangelical lingo these days is, mm, it just, I just, it feels like God's presence is here. Or doesn't this just feel like a God thing? Well, I don't know what that feels like. What is it? What does a God thing feel like? And if you ask somebody, let's just say, for instance, something that the pagans would say is serendipitous. It, it was, was just a, oh, what a happy happenstance. Something happens between you and another Christian. And that Christian says, well, this just seems like a God thing to me. As if somehow God is engaged with this situation, but maybe not everything else. Furthermore, to say, boy, isn't this just, isn't this just a God moment? Well, okay, what do you mean by that? Exactly. Yeah, every moment is a God <laughs> moment. Exactly. Now, the the religion of Christianity is not emotionless, but it is primarily and chiefly a cognitive religion that the emotions are informed by knowledge. Can you be cheered that God is near? Yes, you certainly can and should. Should you feel peace that God does indeed? Have your back, even if it means doing a hard thing for you? Yes. Can we have great joy because God loves us and dwells in us? Absolutely. But what does that feel like? It feels like you thought about the truth of God, and then your emotions followed. Many evangelicals bypass that first step and just assume something beneficial or good happens. Oh, it's a God thing. Or I feel the presence of God. I think that if the presence of God appeared to you, you'd be powder. Instead, we think about God, we know that he is near, and that informs our feelings. This statistic would, should, cause an evangelical to scratch their head and go, huh. Now, let's not discount this statistic quickly and go, well, whatever they're feeling. Hold on. I think we've got to acknowledge there are other religions that feel the presence of God. Specifically, 63% of Muslims say feeling God's presence is a regular experience. What would you say to them? You'd say, well, you're wrong because you don't believe in the true and living God. You, you believe in an idol, so you can't be feeling his presence. And they would say to you, oh, I sure do feel it. I feel it. I just, I know he's there. I sense it. 
And of course, they're wrong, but they do have the same sensation. So it appears that it's kind of natural to have that response to something happening in your life that indicates God's involvement. But if other religions have the same sensations and feelings, shouldn't it at least make us a little bit skeptical about what we're feeling? And I think the answer is, yeah, yeah, actually it should. 49% of those who identify as Sikh, 41% of those who identify as Hindu say feeling God's presence happens to them once a month or more. What do you do with that? Well, you say, well, they can't be feeling the presence of God because that's not what's happening. But they would say, oh, yeah, it is. I'm persuaded that it really is. God's presence is right there, whether it's through breathing or through ums or whatever it is that you do to calm yourself. They're claiming that's God's presence. They're wrong. Let's perhaps not throw out the feelings baby with the Christian bathwater. I'm not sure that line actually made sense in the context of what we're talking about. The point is, yeah, feelings, they're good. The joy of the Lord is my salvation. We have joy. We have a peace that surpasses all understanding. But where does it come from? It comes from truth, not merely from a mystical feeling. Now, here was a statistic that I thought was like, eh? More than half of those who identify as Roman Catholics and mainstream Protestants fall into the spiritually uncertain category. Huh? They, they claim to be Catholic. They claim to be Protestant, but I'm spiritually uncertain. In my opinion, this is another opportunity for evangelicals in Canada to witness to these people. Oh, you're a professing Catholic. Got it. Tell me, how confident are you in that system? Might I tell you about perhaps a better way to read the Bible? And I'll say it again. If you engage people caring, interested, wanting to learn about them, they're going to listen to you. They're going to listen to you. And I would even go a step further and say they're more inclined to listen to you if we moved away from a feelings-based evangelism. Last night, after talking to the young waitress, I was thinking about the conversation a little bit. What might we do to follow up? How could we show an act of kindness to this very nice young lady? And I thought, I got it. I, I, I understand it. I know why people came up with God has a wonderful plan for your life, evangelism. Because it's easy. It's non-confrontational. It simply affirms for an individual what they believe about themselves, and that is God is certainly on their side. Come to Jesus and you'll feel this. The billboards when we drive to Chattanooga, lonely, Jesus understands. There's a new website, and it is rocking. It is really popular. He gets us. What are they doing? They're, 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 they're really going after people's emotions and feelings. I'm not entirely opposed to using that as an entrance point, but that's the totality of it. Hey, Jesus understands you. He gets you. So why don't you check out Jesus? Because he, he, he was persecuted too. He's an immigrant. He, 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 was, he was ostracized. He, he lost his friends. He gets you. Why don't you check out Jesus? Now, they are also leading a feelings-based evangelism. And frankly, I don't know that if they ever get to a correct presentation of the gospel, I couldn't find one on their website. 
It was just explore Jesus who gets you. Apparently, it's faith by osmosis. Just hang around with Jesus enough, and you'll ultimately become a Jesus follower. But they are indeed identifying emotions. That's the easy way. Hey, do you want to feel God's presence? Hmm? Become a Christian. Want to feel joy? Become a Christian. Want to feel peace? Become a Christian. Are all leads. It's bait and switch. Because eventually we have to get to the truth of the matter. And that is the religion of Christianity is not only cognitive, it's judicial, very legal in nature. That there's a just judge, there are laws, there are criminals, and there's a prison for criminals and lawbreakers violating God's statutes. And Jesus paid your fine. Put your trust in him. We have got to get to that message sooner than later, because otherwise we're frankly seeker sensitive, and I think being a bit cowardly, and we're just not being biblical. This is Wretched Radio. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. We've been telling you for well over a year that our newest production, Transformed, would be coming soon. We can finally say that Season 1 of Transformed is available now at Wretched.org and will also be airing on Christian TV networks all over the country. Transformed is like nothing else on Christian TV. You'll have the opportunity to be a fly on the wall and witness real biblical counseling sessions with real people that struggle with OCD, substance abuse, grief, self-harm, anxiety, pain, lack of assurance, and more. You'll be shocked and encouraged at not only the Bible's ability to pinpoint a believer's struggle, but also offer powerful solutions. Not years of weekly visits or the band-aid of medication, but real biblical solutions. With the help of Dr. Greg Gifford and Dr. Dale Johnson, you will witness people go from brokenness to wholeness. Transformed like nothing else on Christian TV. And available now at Wretched.org. And don't forget the study guide. That's Wretched.org. Let's visit a pre-born life center in action. Look at that baby. Abortion pill reversal actually works. That's a beating heart. Look how strong it is. Tell me, that doesn't encourage you to consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched. $28 purchases a free ultrasound for a mommy who will choose life. It is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. 
Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. Mexican. Pneumatology is a study of the Holy Spirit. Scripture reveals that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force or manifestation, and He is God, the third member of the Trinity. His work is not to provide emotional highs or show up in glory clouds or gold dust. The work of the Holy Spirit is to bear witness to the Savior, Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You might think this is bad news. I think this is actually good news. This is Wretched Radio. Annually, the President and the First Lady of the United States will host an unfortunately named event on the White House lawn called the Easter Party. Wish they would do away with the name because there's nothing about that little festival at the White House that has anything to do with Jesus Christ rising from the dead. Now you got bunnies hopping around, you know, trying to direct the president in the right direction. You've got egg hunts. You've got secular books being read, but there ain't nothing about Jesus. And so I think a lot of people might be inclined to see this headline, Biden omits God and Jesus while kicking off first White House Easter egg roll since pandemic. I'm thrilled. I'm glad he doesn't talk about it. He is a godless man who is at war with his creator, who claims to be a Roman Catholic, not a good one by any standard who desires to not only see babies in the womb terminated, but to also see little children have their bodies chemically and surgically changed. That ain't nice. That's pretty E-V-I-L. That is why I'm very glad he didn't mention Jesus. I, I would find it very difficult to swallow I would I would I would send a note to Dan Barker from Freedom from Religion Foundation. Hey, make him stop. Make him stop. That's the separation of church and state violation, Dan. Get him. Call your friend Ron Reagan. Maybe he has his hunter's number and he can get in touch with them because they're both president's sons. And Ron's an, an atheist who's for the Freedom for Religion Foundation. And you can get the president to stop talking about Easter. I wish they would change the name. I wish they would stop. The event featured various characters in costume, including Snoopy, Charlie Brown, and Minions from the Despicable Me franchise. You know what all of those characters have to do with Easter, don't you? Me neither. Joe Biden kicked things off by telling the kids in attendance that the determined spirit of education is what we want to honor in this Easter egg roll today. I'm sorry, ma'am. What exactly do you want to honor? I'll read it again. The spirit of education. Ah, yes, Jesus rising from the grave. The spirit of education. Okay, I'm not exactly sure how you cross that bridge, but I wish that bridge would be burned down and religious officials like this would not invoke anything Christian. Not when they act like this. My job, said the president, is to keep it from raining for another two minutes. I, not, maybe, hey, Jimmy, 
It's not great, but maybe he's following Ken Copeland. I was now. just fixing to say we found a job for <laughs> Copeland. <laughs> You're just fixing, are you? The Bidens took turns reading Brown Bear, Brown Bear. What do you see? Ah, oh, that's a good one. While Biden didn't mention God or Jesus in his speech, neither, by the way, did Donald Trump back in 2019. Our faith should be so precious to us, and anything associated with us, we should guard and protect. And when you have evil leaders that want to invoke it in any way, shape, or form, we're the ones who should cry foul, not Dan Barker. Speaking of Easter, I'd like to cry foul on this. Roman Catholic website encouraging Roman Catholic churches to not read the Gospel of John on Resurrection Sunday because of anti-Semitism. So we got to stop reading it. Wow. That's an interesting take for a Christian to, to take because it's the Bible. And even though, indeed, there are people who have read it out of context to do terrible things to Jewish people, well, then we, we can explain that. The early church understood this. It's funny, maybe because throughout history, you hear about the people who would call Jewish people Christ killers. And they did. Uh, they, they definitely did. And they went about the business of killing them, not the least of which, by the way, was the Roman Catholic Church, the Inquisitions, what a show, going after a lot of Jews, later Protestants, not to the same degree, but they still did Inquisitions with Jewish people they didn't understand really anything about the first century church. Who was Paul? He was Jewish. You don't hear him say, I'm anti-myself. I should kill me because we killed Christ. Instead, he in Romans talks about his great love for the Jewish people. He loves them. He wants them to be saved. He said, I'd do a swap I'd rather go to hell than see my people perish. He didn't hate Jewish people. He loved them. And who else was Jewish in the New Testament? Most of the converts initially until Gentile additions started to outpace them. But what did Paul do? He went to synagogues scattered throughout the Mediterranean. He went to the Jewish people first. If they would reject him, then he would go to the Gentiles. He didn't hate Jewish people. He evangelized them. Who else can we think of in the New Testament that was Jewish who said that you should hate our people? Well, Jesus was Jewish, and he didn't say we're supposed to hate anybody. He said we're supposed to love our neighbors. We're loving our enemies even. Jesus wasn't down on Jewish people like, oh, ho, 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 goyim, go after them. No, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And so just because some people throughout history have used perhaps the Gospel of John or, frankly, any of the Gospel accounts of the Passion, doesn't mean that we should stop doing it. Thought this was an interesting look, though, into the mind of a Roman Catholic. They can be clever. Got to give them that. They do have a tendency to write in a more academic way that is appealing to many people because it just seems studied and smart. But sometimes they're, no, regularly, they're, they're not biblically smart. They might be clever, but they're not biblically wise. Reading John's passion on Good Friday causes real harm. 
and our practice is far more a matter of tradition than any theological necessity. We need to use a different passion instead. I wonder, he doesn't answer it in this presentation, when do we get to read the Gospel of John? Ever? Are we supposed to just put that one to rest because some people have potentially abused it? What a shame. Whenever you are dealing, and by the way, did you catch that? It's, it's a tradition in the Roman Catholic Church to read the Gospel of John. And you know how the Roman Catholic Church is about tradition. They cling to them. And this guy's saying, we don't have to. Not making a lot of other Roman Catholics happy, by the way. Whenever you're dealing with a passage from Scripture that does not seem to make sense, okay, a good strategy is to dig a little deeper. Okay. Is our translation truly accurate to the time and culture in which the text was written? What did the passage mean within its proper historical context? It means that Jewish people and Gentiles were involved in the execution of Jesus Christ. That's what it means. Now, he makes great effort to try to say, no, that's really not what John meant. It's, it's, it's to miss the point. We don't mistreat anybody. We don't hate anybody. We shouldn't desire to kill anybody The Jewish people, God is not done with them. Here's where eschatology has some implications. God is not done with Jewish people. He's going to save them in a big way when he returns. And we should long for that day and rejoice in that day. And when we read about some Jewish people being involved in the crucifixion of Christ, it wasn't everybody gathered there. Certainly there were believers at the time. A lot of false converts at the time. But some people, they did indeed want Jesus crucified. We don't crucify them in return. This seems to be a bit of a no-brainer, if you don't mind me saying so. The church teaches that Jesus underwent his death freely in, here's, here's, this is Roman Catholic language, teaches that Jesus underwent his death freely in order, what? So Jesus gave his life freely, Jimmy, in order that. You want the answer or you want what this guy said? No, I want your answer. Why did Jesus give his life freely? That we may live. As a a ransom for many. Yes. This is Roman Catholic theology. In order that all may reach salvation. Ah, do you see the joint effort there? It's not grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone. It's you working it out and maintaining your infused righteousness. From the Middle Ages, there are examples of passion plays ending with Christians throwing rocks through synagogue windows and attacking Jewish people. All right, that could be a historical truth. I can't verify that one way or another. But if you're going back to the Middle Ages to look for some abuses from Roman Catholics, my friend, not from Protestants, from Roman Catholics, Um, maybe eliminating the gospel of John isn't necessary. Why, he asks, do we continue to use John's passion when we have three choices? Maybe it lends itself to dramatic performance in a way that the others don't. Well, how's about this? It's in the Bible. That's why we read it and we don't dismiss it. We can explain it to mitigate damages but we don't bury it because of abuses from the Roman Catholic Church in the Middle Ages. Ironic. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.